At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country mega star while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. Game day edition, Hornets getting set to take on the New Orleans Pelicans, a battle of the ball brothers on Mother's Day. We're going to preview the game. We're going to talk about the motivations for the remaining teams on the Hornets schedule. Yeah, there's a lot of big name squads that they're going to have to go up against. But how much emphasis will they be putting on those games at that time? We'll try and dive into that question. And we're going to discuss the pros and cons of the play-in tournament as a whole. Because obviously it's been something that has been a focal point with the Hornets' position in the standings. But do we like it? Several people in the league have weighed in. We'll give you our thoughts as well. To help me on this, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network. Rob Longo rejoins us here on the HHC. And Rob, you pitched the pros and cons of the play and so I'm imagining you've got an opinion here. Well, I think everybody has an opinion on the play-in round these days. I would imagine considering what LeBron James said earlier this week, right? Well, yes, he, he's weighed in. And look, no one deserves more respect in the game amongst active players than LeBron James. And, and certainly, all due respect to him. But what do you think? I'll go after you. What do you think? Is the play-in tournament a good thing, a bad thing? Or is it something that's maybe more of a nuisance to some of these veteran guys who want to be preparing for the playoffs right now? I understand LeBron's side of things, and let's be honest here. If it wasn't the fact that the Lakers could find themselves in the playing round if the season ended tonight, he probably wouldn't care about it a whole lot. We've heard what Mark Cuban and a couple of the guys from the Dallas Mavericks had said about it, but now that they're 
so far right now clear of potentially playing in the playing game and at five spot, then they probably don't really care a whole lot either. But again, there is a lot to be determined these final couple of games in this final week of the season, but it's a great idea. It, I think, avoids the quote-unquote tanking that you might see some teams do. If you're a Hornets fan, you're probably thinking, oh, great, like they installed this this season that the Hornets are finally having a chance to break their playoff drought streak, but now they got to go through this play-in wonky tournament and that sort of thing. The only complaint I have about it is maybe not starting it this season just because of the way that the season has been so compact and there's been so many games in so few days that some of these guys are just so run down. But all in all, I think it's a great idea, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of it moving forward, even in the next season and seasons beyond as well. Well, it was actually originally pitched as a, a connection to this wonky season, as you put it, because you know with the schedule alterations, teams playing back-to-backs, which kind of creates more of an opportunity for teams to have an advantage. I mean, if you play, say, the Hornets in a back-to-back right now when they don't have Gordon Hayward or, or when they didn't have LaMelo Ball, they look very different from when they're at full strength, and that is certainly the case with other teams. Take, for instance, the Lakers. If you uh, played them when AD and LeBron uh, were healthy, that's a disadvantage. You get them when they're both on the bench, that's a big advantage. So, you know, I think that that was part of it, and also just to kind of, as well, create more competition. That's why I ultimately like it. I think in a normal season, there are eight spots, four in each conference, that are really going to be fought for right to the bitter end. The one seed, the two seed, the four seed, and the eight seed. All of them are important because all of them come with either entrance into the tournament or with home court advantage at stake in a particular round. So if you're in line to be the number one seed and you're only up half a game going into the final three days of the season, you're going to go out there and compete for it, more likely than not. Similarly for number two and four and eight. With the new play-in tournament, it's not just that two more teams make the postseason and therefore less teams are tanking as early in the season as they might otherwise be, but you've now doubled the number of spots that have something at stake to play for. The one, two, four, and eight, obviously, still you're playing for those spots for different reasons for eight. So one and two and four, that's the same reasons. You're playing for six because you don't want to be in the playing tournament. You're playing for seven because if you have to be in it, you want to host. You're playing for eight because if you have to be in it, you want to have to win one out of two rather than two out of two. Nine's important because at least you're hosting the first game because if you got to force the second one, home court advantage early on might be helpful. And you're fighting for 10 because, you know, to win the whole thing, you need a chip in a chair. And 10 is a chip. That's something to play for. So it's not just avoiding tanking. I think teams that are, you know, that far gone do what they have to do. I feel bad for their fan bases, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But I think it's less about the teams that are the fewer teams that are excluded it's more about the competition right to the end for not just one two four and eight but for now eight different positions basically everything but third and fifth have something on the line well and you look at these one game playoffs too and if the season ended tonight in the western conference in the seven eight matchup you would have the lakers against the warriors i mean if you told me at the beginning of the year 
that we were going to have the Lakers and the Warriors in a one-game playoff to determine who goes into the playoffs. Now, obviously, the loser gets a second crack at it, but if you told me that LeBron James and Anthony Davis were going to go up against Steph Curry and Draymond Green in a one-game playoff, sign me up. That would just be some unreal TV. So it's going to drum up a lot of publicity. It's going to drum up a lot of hype if these matchups hold up the way they are. And I think just because it's something new, a lot of people are going to want to tune in and watch and see what it looks like. A lot of people were upset back a couple years ago when the NCAA tournament, for example, expanded the field to 68 teams and they did the first four games. And a lot of people didn't like that because then you got these teams that have to fight their way into the bracket that should maybe already be there. But I'm interested to see if we have some sort of resemblance of teams that have had some pretty good success history-wise in the first four, making some pretty deep runs. I mean, I don't like to dwell on bad things for the USC alum, but if you look at what UCLA did in the NCAA tournament this year, they were a first four team and they made it to the final four. So I'm interested to see if this play-in format ends up being kind of similar in a sense that teams are able to go on deep playoff runs as well. I do think it's different from that in respect to Teams that are in the first four are really not supposed to be able to make those kinds of runs. You're, you're either going in to play a one seed, you're talking about the NCAA tournament, or you're going in to, you know, you're you're in a, what is it, a 12-5 already or 11-6 right off the bat. So, you know, the likelihood of winning the whole thing is lower. I think this year it's interesting because you look at the teams that are potentially in the play-in, let's just take the Eastern Conference. I mean, Indiana and Washington are two teams that just played an epic game last night. That was a lot of fun. Congrats to Russell Westbrook on tying Oscar Robinson for the career mark for triple doubles. Spectacular game. But you've got two teams that were considered to be playoff favorites, likely teams at the start of the season. Now they're going to be in a 9-10 game. You've got the potential of the Hornets taking on either Boston, where you've got all those storylines that exists between these two franchises with the deals made in recent years and the player movement or Hornets versus Heat and the Heat or the Celtics would certainly be looking at this postseason thinking why can't we make a run at this why can't we end up in the conference semifinals conference finals get a shot at winning this so I think it is different in that respect and and also in the Western Conference you know the Lakers if they make it in they're going to feel confident that if they're healthy they have what it takes to get there so it's interesting I like it again because I think it just creates more competition and that's what we want. We want more to be on the line. We want there to be a penalty for taking games off and encourage players and front offices and teams in general to push all the way through the finish line. Look, if you're solidly in fifth and you've got nothing left to play for, fine. Do what you need to do. Get your players rested. Do what has to be done. No one is saying you shouldn't. But if you're not going after the sixth seed, for instance, because you don't see that there's a difference between six and seven. Well, now there is. So that's the crux of why I like it. No matter what, whether we like it or not, the Hornets are very likely going to be in it. It's almost impossible. We're, we're drawing to an inside straight right now in poker, trying to find ways that's even mathematically possible for Charlotte to end up in the top six. So play-in seems to be their fate. We're going to talk about motivation down the stretch. It's something that's talked about various times during the season. This seems like a good one. Denver, the Clippers, the Knicks, and Washington. How motivated will these teams be when they see the Hornets? We'll talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast. 
Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Join us Tuesday at 7 when Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets come to the Hive to take on your Hornets. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Mother's Day basketball tonight at the Hive. Hornets getting set to take on the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll preview that one for you in a little bit. Motivation certainly is a question at this point in the season. Previous segment, Rob, we talked about tanking and how hopefully the play-in tournament might take away some of the incentive to tank from some teams but down the stretch there's a lot of reasons to rest guys one of them being if you're not sure if you really have a shot at it anymore new orleans is chances of making the postseason are basically hanging by a thread right now they got the news that zion williamson is unavailable brandon ingram i believe he is doubtful at this point not challenging the motivations of that team at all they're just hurt just as the hornets are at this point but there's other teams that the hornets are going to see that are all currently in playoff or play-in positions, and the motivation at that point in time is a little bit in question. So let's go down the schedule after this New Orleans game, and give me your take. Do you think there's motivation for this team to throw their full weight, full force at the Hornets? First one up is Denver. They're currently fourth in the Western Conference, a game back of third, so it's possible for them to climb up a spot. They're not going to fall to fifth, and they can't catch up to number two. So they're solidly in that 3-4 game, for which we talked about before i don't think there's much incentive to really push yourselves and risk injuries so what are your thoughts how incentivized will denver be with four games remaining on their schedule i think they're pretty incentivized just because again like you mentioned they're only a game back in the clippers so and then you know just to foreshadow a little bit further along is the next game with the clippers so for the hornets that is So I'm thinking that both of those teams are going to be highly motivated just because, yeah, they already have playoff spots clinched, but they want to keep that footing. They want to solidify that footing a little bit coming down the stretch just for seeding purposes, because I think there's a little bit of a difference between three and four. I mean, if you get that three seed, you avoid going to a tough place like Utah to play where the Jazz are 30 and four this season at home. So if you get that three spot and then if everything holds chalk wise, then you end up playing the Suns the next round who are currently in that second spot. But again, stuff could happen there too, because Phoenix is only a game behind Utah. So it's kind of pick your poison in that aspect. So yeah, I think both of these teams, both the Clippers and the Nuggets, as we look a little bit ahead of the schedule, are both going to be highly motivated. LA has a very easy, favorable schedule the rest of the way out. They got to play the Rockets. They got to play the Raptors and the Thunder. Their toughest game is the Knicks. So they have the third easiest schedule winning percentage wise coming down the stretch here. And Denver still has to play Portland and Brooklyn. Now they get Minnesota and they also get Detroit, but those are a couple of tough games as well. So I guess maybe it all depends what happens a game or two, but I think that everybody's going to be full strength, especially the Nuggets, because they have to figure out how to play without Jamal Murray now, and they're going to have to mix and match their rotations a little bit and see what the best path is moving forward before they get into the playoffs when they don't have any time to 
tinker with the lineup. Yeah, I think Denver and the Clippers are basically jockeying for a position between third and fourth, and I just don't think there is a huge difference between the two. Either way, you're going to be without home court advantage in round two of the postseason. You're going to be playing a very good team either way. I think it's too early in the season to say, pack it in, let's just get ready for the playoffs, especially since now there's more of a buffer between when the regular season ends and when the postseason begins. I wouldn't be shocked if they limited minutes, stretched out rotations a little bit more in these coming games than they otherwise would have. It'll be interesting to see. For both these teams, it's a part of longer road trips as well. So that could be a factor. You know, if we see someone who's a little nicked up before they hit the road, maybe they're more likely to leave them at home, rehab, get ready for the postseason rather than risk things. So overall, I think it's too early for them to uh, not have motivation to finish at least a couple more games, which would take them through their Hornets matchup. How about the New York Knicks? The Knicks could end up anywhere between the four seed and the seven seed as we record this podcast. So there's very much motivation for them. They've lost two in a row. Their next games are the Lakers, the Clippers, and San Antonio, and they end with Boston. So I think there's going to be a lot of motivation for New York. I think the difference between four and five is huge. Six and seven is obviously monumental. I think there is a lot to play for for the Knicks. And there are not a lot of easy games remaining on their schedule. So, you know, obviously that game is closer to a week out from now than some of the others. But I think there will be every motivation for the Knicks to be playing full strength at the Garden. Yeah, a lot of stuff can change between now and next weekend. But as you mentioned, the Knicks do have a lot to play for. Just because if you look at the schedule of the teams that are chasing them, they have a half-game lead behind the Hawks. They have a whole-game lead behind the Heat. Atlanta has the easiest schedule remaining. They got the Rockets, the Magic, and they have the Wizards twice, which is a lot tougher of two games now that the way that the Wizards have been playing for the last probably about month now at this point. And then Miami has a pretty tough schedule down the stretch as well. They still have to play Boston twice. They got to play Milwaukee and they got to play the 76ers. So there's a lot of stuff that can happen, especially a week from now. But I think New York's just going to try to get that cushion as high as it possibly can, just in case anything gets wonky. The last one is Washington, and this is the one where it's really difficult to say because it's the final day of the season, and who knows how motivated anyone will be. If Washington is locked into the 10 spot or the 9 spot, there's nothing they can do to move up. We saw last night Bradley Beal did not finish that game in overtime against Indiana, had some type of injury that, as we record this, we don't know the extent of it. We're certainly wishing him well. Still had 50 points in that game. But if you're Washington, you know you're playing in the playing game. If you can't make it to eighth, why would you go out there and risk an injury to Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook? Maybe you do enough to keep them in rhythm, but maybe you rest up for that playing game. Similarly, Hornets might be thinking the same thing. The only difference could be at that point if someone like Miles Bridges or Gordon Hayward is ready to come back. Maybe they go out and try and play with the rotation at least a little bit to get everyone in as good a rhythm as they can prior to the postseason. But if you're locked in at 8 or the Wizards are locked in at 9 or 10, what is the incentive to go out there 
and change your record by one game when you can prepare for the most important game of your season in the play-in tournament. But that's a week from today when the Hornets will be wrapping up the regular season, and we'll see what's at stake at that point. Obviously, a lot of quality teams, everyone that we just mentioned, is going to be a play-in or play-off team as we sit right now. So a challenging schedule ahead for the Hornets. Hopefully, they will get healthier as we go here, but hopefully they can solidify their spot in that 7-8 game. The magic number for it is three, meaning three Hornets wins and or losses for Washington right now would clinch it for the Hornets. And maybe the the most likely of those wins, at least on paper, could be coming tonight. It's also the potential clinch date for the Hornets if they win or if the Bulls lose today on Mother's Day. Charlotte is going to the postseason for the first time since 2016. We'll be previewing tonight's game right after this here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, it is Mother's Day, and it is a big game here for the Hornets, so hopefully all of you tuned in right now have done something nice for the moms in your life already. Maybe even got some tickets to take mom to the game. It should be a fun one. One of the superstars, or maybe two of them, will not be in this one. Really, more than that, because there's a lot of superstars for the Hornets that are not going to be available. But for the Pelicans' perspective, Zion Williamson out with a hand fracture. He will not play. Also, Josh Hart is not going to play. Brandon Ingram, who missed the Pelicans' last game, is doubtful with a left ankle sprain. That's another former All-Star that the Pelicans seem unlikely to have. And then they've got a couple other guys that are on the healthier end of the injury-slash-inactive report. Hornets have upgraded Devontae Graham to questionable. That is the only significant change on the inactive list-slash-injury report. He would obviously be huge to get back because the Hornets, even though they have won three of their last four games here, uh, the two wins over Detroit, as well as the latest victory over Orlando. It's been dicey at times. They're certainly showing their lack of depth right now with all of the injuries, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe they're showing how deep they really are by getting all these wins despite all the absences, but they've been close. Your thoughts as we prepare for tonight's game against the Pelicans? Well, it's obviously not a must win like we felt like Friday's game was, but it would obviously be nice just to get that clinch game out of the way against the Pelicans team that is also facing a ton of injuries, but New Orleans is a scrappy squad. I mean, they went into Philadelphia on Friday, and they almost won. They had a 37-point third quarter, so they can score, but they just kind of fell apart down the stretch in the fourth quarter, only putting up 16 points. They lost 109-107 to 107 to obviously a really good Sixers team. And As Hornets fans, we know how tough an opponent like Philly has been this season, and thank goodness that they have been out of the way for a while now. For now, I mean, obviously you don't know about potential playoff rounds or anything like that, but... At any rate, the Pelicans are not very good away from New Orleans. They're 12-20 and 20 on the road, but they got some players. I mean, they have Lonzo Ball, who's been playing really well as of late. There's been a lot of speculation about what's going to happen to him this upcoming offseason. He had 18-7 and seven on Friday night. Eric Bledsoe played 40 minutes the other night, too. I mean, that was probably more so out of necessity for New Orleans, but he was also able to add 18 points, and they have former Hornet Willie Hernan Gomez on the squad as well. So they definitely have some interesting players, and like Malik Monk said on Friday's pregame, game show when you get these teams that come in and they play so free-spirited because they don't have much to lose sometimes those are the more dangerous teams to go up against 
can be the case. Pelicans, in terms of their postseason hopes, to take a thought from Monty Python, they're not dead yet. They're on the cart. They're being wheeled around, but they're not dead yet. Their tragic number, the number of losses until they are eliminated, sits at either three or four. I don't know what the tiebreaker situation is between San Antonio and New Orleans, but it's pretty dire right now. They would essentially have to win out and get some help. Spurs have been happy to give it as of late. They've uh, been playing a little worse, did get a win in their last game, but nonetheless, the Pelicans are not eliminated yet. Just like the Hornets, they would love to have this nucleus get some postseason experience. In fact, I think this was the year they felt they were going to break through and finally get into either the playoffs or the play-in. Memphis maybe being the surprise to sneak above them. But they've got every incentive for this one. They are shorthanded, and with all of the injuries the Hornets have had, just like JB likes to said, no one's going to feel sorry for the Hornets. No one's really feeling sorry for New Orleans. We'd love to see Zion. We'd love to see Brandon Ingram just as a fan. It's fun to see the best of the best. But with that same thought in mind, we love to see Miles Bridges and Gordon Hayward and a bunch of other Hornets as well. So situation is what it is. Devontae Graham being upgraded to questionable, I think is significant. This has been more of a nagging injury than something where, say, like the wrist injury for LaMelo Ball, where it takes X amount of time to heal and then you rehab it. This seems like something that's just kind of been lingering for a bit for Devontae. So hopefully if he is getting to questionable, and we saw him do an extended warm-up before the last game against Orlando. Maybe that means he's not just going to be ready to play in tonight's game, but maybe make it all the way through the rest of the season. Certainly has been a grueling, taxing one. Hornets could use a win if they get the W tonight. They clinch. They'll be in the postseason for the first time since 2016, and they'll reduce their magic number to solidify that 7-8 game down to 2. And with how Washington's been playing, the closer you can get to that, the better. Even though they've got the tiebreaker over Washington, that magic number for the 7-8 game factors that in. So there's still a lot to play for here for the Hornets and a big one tonight against the Pelicans. We look forward to talking to you all. Pre-game show starts on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ, at 6 p.m. And then the tip will be at 7. I'll have the call. Rob Longo will be at the controls at the Hornets Radio Network Studios. Rob, thanks for another great edition of the HHC. Thanks for having me, as always. Looking forward to tonight. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. A reminder, we will have our review podcast for you tomorrow, breaking down this result against the Pelicans. Till then, for everyone here on the Hornets Hivecast, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. And in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.